Hello and welcome to the Imbue Podcast. My name is Alex and I'm your host. Today we are joined by my good friend Itamar Baran. Itamar is an Olympic skier for Team Israel. He skied at the Olympics in Pyeongchang and actually carried the flag during the closing ceremonies. He's one of the youngest skiers in the sport and join us as we chat about his journey from starting in his early teens to becoming one of the best in the world today. It's so nice up here. I'm just able to be in a little quarantine period. Wait, so are you, are you quarantining like a ski hut right now? Up in Switzerland? In like a chalet, yeah. Seriously? We, we've had, yeah, we've had a flat here since 2003, 2004, so yeah. So it's like your second home. Little place in the mountains. Dang, dude, I'm so jealous. What's it like there in Switzerland? I've actually never been. It's definitely worth a visit. I mean, it's really beautiful. People are really nice. It's like just one of those really neutral kind of great countries that you can't really say much bad about. The only bad thing is it's super expensive. <laughs> like, I think anyone coming in to do a holiday in Switzerland will be like shocked at how expensive it is here. Seriously? Um, it's that expensive? Yeah, it's super expensive. Like, they have their own currency as well. They have like the Swiss franc, not mm-hmm. the euro. Yeah. So, and super, well, not strong, but it's just like people have like very high salaries here and um, stuff's, stuff's just pretty expensive in general. What's like, what does a ski lift ticket cost there? Like, I don't know, maybe they have like season passes. What does it cost for like one day? Yeah, it's, it's, to be fair, it's not as bad as um, Colorado. Yeah, like somewhere like Vail or like Peter Creek. Bro, it's just so expensive. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like, I'd say, if you're just coming for like one day, it's like 70 Swiss for a day, 70 francs, which is like, um, it's actually quite similar to dollars, Swiss francs and dollars. I think it's like about 60, 70. Oh, that's not bad at all, actually. Damn. Yeah. How's the yeah. chocolate over there? Even uh, the Swiss chocolate? Isn't that what, that's what it's about? The Swiss chocolate. I'm sure I don't really know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, kind of. That's where you dip the stuff in the chocolate, right? Yeah, it's like you do it either with chocolate or with cheese. So like you just dip bread and cheese, basically. They like that around here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the country. On the country. <laughs> What's that? How, how, how long have you been there then? Are you just quarantined there or just. Yeah, we, we, so my winter finished on. Um, well, it was like, I think March 12th is the exact day that I finished. And like we, no. we were just all like overnight. So, like, we were planning on training the next day, and we got a call from our coach just saying, right, you guys have to go. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we, we don't want you being stuck in Austria. Wait, you were in Austria in the first week of March? Yeah. No yeah, way. Bro, I was there too. What the fuck? Because So, I'm, I'm training with the British team now. I'm, I'm racing for Israel, but I'm training with the British European Cup team. Oh, nice. And we're based in Austria, so we're based in, in Schladming, which is like, you know, do you know Salzburg? Yeah. Salzburg? Yeah. It's like an hour away from Salzburg. So, like, they hold, they hold like, a, a World Cup there as well um, every year. It's like a big resort for racing as well. And we're, we're based there. So, we're, we're there, like, pretty much the whole winter if we're not racing. Damn. Um, That's yeah. not a bad place to spend the winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Are you, so is that over in Tyrol then? No, nah, I think Tyrol's like 
Yeah, it's not far. I mean, Tyrol is like the, the Italian Italian border. We're we're more towards like Slovenia. I don't know if you know. It's like if if Tyrol's kind of like place west, we're like southeast, I guess. Like I don't know. We're we're, we're not far because Austria's not massive, but you know, we're we're not like that Tyrol area. I don't think. I'm not sure. Be honest, I don't really know Austria too well. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, you're not late, so I'll give you a pass. <laughs> well, cool, bro. Dude, well, it's so good to see your face again. Where, is your dad there? By chance? Yeah, you, should I bring him in? <laughs> is, he, is, he, is he there? Yeah, should I call him? Yeah, dude, call him. I want to say hi. <laughs> uh, uh, go, go. Okay, he's coming kind of, kind of a bit. Oh, okay, okay. Sounds good. I'd love to say hi because I haven't seen him in a minute. But anyways, man, super cool. I'm super grateful you came on, man. It's really good, really good to see you again. So let's get started with one of the. So just just to be clear, you're one of the youngest Olympians ever, right? Like I think you were. What were you 19 when you made the Olympic team? I was 19 at the time. I wouldn't say like I'd say I'm like the youngest spectrum of Olympians. Like in terms of like Olympics, I think the youngest athlete in Pyeongchang in the 2018 games was 15. Or sixteen. Oh my gosh! And like, wow. Yeah, like there were some. I think it's like figure skaters are super young when they go, just because like figure skates are quite light and small. So like when you're young, you're obviously lighter and probably more like you know, you're more able to do like twists and flips and whatever they do. That's um, true. In, in my in in the sport that I did in alpine skiing, I think I was one of the youngest or the second youngest. Like I was around the one of the youngest athletes there for sure. Damn. Um, I just don't. Yeah. That's crazy. So you probably started out pretty young. Well, like, when did you first start skiing? Yeah, I mean, so I've been skiing since I was like two, and my dad would take me to you know, do you know Club Med, Club. like a chain of ho- a chain of hotels in like you have in like winter resorts and also in summer resorts just all around the world. And all Israelis know is when you go skiing, you go to Club Med. It's like an all-inclusive hotel. And it's like, you know, it gives you the ski pass, gives you the, the instructors and everything. And that's all Israelis know. So when I was a kid, my dad took me the first time, he took me to Club Med. And for about a few years, he would take me to those. And then we kind of got a place. And after that, we, we started skiing more. We got a place in Verbier, which is where I am now. I've just been training since I was... So I, start, I started about 11, 12. And I started racing about 13. So I actually started pretty late. I was a good skier before, like I did a lot of free ride and, and like um, trail skiing and all that kind of stuff and yeah, so in terms of like actually starting to race, I started really late, but I think I just improved quite quickly compared to others and kind of that's that's where I, where I ended up. Damn, that's super impressive. Eight years from starting to making an Olympic team, that's pretty damn crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I was there. It's still a blur, like when I met you there, it was like, what would that come in? <laughs> He's got his going. Let's see. He's just getting some... <laughs> yeah, no, so... Yeah, it wasn't a long time. I mean, when we were there, when, when I met you, just all the all those two weeks I was there, it was a complete blur. Like, I don't really remember every detail because there was so much that went on, you know? Like, I wish I did remember more, but it's just so overwhelming, you know? Yeah. It's like one of the experiences you'll have as, like, a vague memory, almost, you know? It was amazing, though, obviously. Like, one of the most amazing experience of my life so or be the most amazing experience of my life dude it was crazy there was a lot of action that happened that week though that was pretty pretty crazy but so it, is there is there even any places you can ski in israel like there is there, there's one there's one mountain seriously yeah 
Hello, my friend. Hi. How are you? Fine. How is your family? Good. I'm actually not with Good. them right now. Huh? I'm in. Uh, I'm actually in Los Angeles. So, and they're they're up in Minnesota right now. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. How is going? Good. Everything's good. Yeah. I'm in. Uh, I'm. I'm the opposite of you guys. You guys are up in the mountains in the snow. I'm in down by the beach. So. <laughs> so. Actually, sending sending things on the beach now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. What? That's not good. I said. I know, right? Yeah. All right. Yes. We're in the mountain. <laughs> But you know, all Italy and all Europe is start to open. I heard that. Yeah, I know. Uh, How is it? When is the like? What's the opening plan for Switzerland? So wait, I cannot hear you. What was that? I know there's a little echo. Um, what's the what's the opening plan for Switzerland? I can't hear you guys. Seriously? What the heck? It's kind of like, it kind of echoes. I know. I hear that. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Can you hear me now? No. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. We can hear. You. We can hear. You. Okay. Shoot. Is it still echoing? Yeah, kind of like on and off, but keep talking. Well, I'm, it, it was fine until now. So oh, I know I don't know what happened. Okay, yeah. but uh, I was just curious like, what the situation. What's, what's the plan to open in Switzerland? Well, they're they're open already. I mean, pretty much like schools have opened, uh, shops have opened. Anything that hasn't opened, I think, is travel into Switzerland from other countries. As in, if if you have a residency or a passport, you can come in. But apart from that, everything in the country is pretty much open. I'd say. Italy is going to open on the third of June. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty quick. Yeah, complete open. Wow. Awesome. You can travel and everything. So I believe that is going to be uh, Switzerland will be open as well. Guys, I'm going down to have a swim. <laughs> enjoy. I'm jealous. So good to see you. Yeah. So uh, enjoy. And it was lovely to see you. I didn't see you for a long time. I know. Too long. Too long, my friend. <laughs> yeah, great to see each other in the next Olympic, huh? Fingers crossed, absolutely. Cool man. <laughs> there he is. Crazy, crazy. So yeah, dude. So can you, so you can ski. I don't know if you can actually ski in Israel. That's a thing. Um. Yeah. So there's there's one there's one mountain in Israel, um, and it's called the Mount Hermon, and it has like a few slopes. It's not nothing like anywhere in in Europe or the US. You know, like it's not nothing nothing massive. It's a little resort, but yeah, like you can you can ski there. I think last year. At some point, we had more snow than some resorts in Austria, so um, or even like a lot of resorts in Europe. So I mean, I'll take that. You know, damn, uh, that's crazy. crazy. Well, I know Europe's been so warm. Like, so oh, oh, the echo is so bad. Yeah, there, it's a lot. There's a lot of echo. There's a lot of echo. You know what? I'm gonna try and fix this really quick. Oh, that's annoying. I might cut out here for a second. Haha, <laughs> there we go. Better? No. Yeah, not bad. Is it still echoing or no? Nah. Oh, for me it is, but uh, cool man, because the crazy thing is, the first thing I get asked when people you know, skier from Israel is, there's no places to ski there, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that there is, there is enough to ski, but not, I wouldn't say like, I mean, training, there's no training facility there, or like, there's no, there's no way to become a racer, like, everyone who's ever raced for Israel has, has started, like, skiing in Europe, or has had to like join a team in Europe. There's, there hasn't been any way for Israelis to ski. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of us are kind of a lot more international than you know being 100% Israeli. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably the most Israeli guy on the team, and <laughs> I, I grew up in the UK for a lot of my life. So. Yeah, that is true. We got that. Yeah, that's true. We get accent. I bet the ladies love it. Yeah. <laughs>
Nice, man. So, nice, man. so you started skiing when you were 11. What was that progression like? Like, what was that when you first started to becoming an Olympian? I mean, it's, it, I, I guess it wasn't too long compa- like, compared to, like, a career. I mean, like, eight years isn't, isn't a long time, but I guess in perspective, a lot happens. I, I mean, it starts, it starts kind of, like, easy. I mean, I was 11, 12, 13, you know, it's a lot of, like, like, for your first race and, you know, like, your first time in certain conditions and, and like, you know, it's, it's a lot of, like, building experience and all of that. And then I, I started skiing with a team called BSA, which is, like, the British Ski Academy. So I, I've started in the British system since I started racing. And then after that, I kind of moved, jumped in between a few teams. Uh, one was, like, French-based, like, mostly French-speaking, another one as well. And then actually most of them... Past, past being in, in that um, British team were all kind of French speaking and were in France until I joined um, the British Europe Cup team. But when you met me at the Olympics, I was still with one of the French private teams. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you know, to get to, get, to, get to a level, um, I mean, a lot of us in kind of my, my area are, it's a lot of work, like it's a lot, it's a lot of sacrifice and um, you know, a lot of um, lot of uh, consistency. I'd say I think consistency and motivation is kind of the main main two. I'm um, just keep keep kind of grinding and trusting the process, and you know, not not missing out on any like sessions in the gym. Like not like if if you have the opportunity to do like an extra run, you do it. Like if someone tells you, you know, like this is good for you, you do it, and you kind of like listen to lots of opinions and develop as a as an athlete until you can start making your own decisions because when you're young between the ages of even until I went to the Olympics 19 I mean it would be hard for me to make my own decisions because I mean I know I'd have to listen to people who have more experience so it's, it's a process like you know you kind of grow with it just like in anything really learn from your mistakes I guess yeah just improve on that and that's how that's how you kind of get to where we're on that now I guess what were some of the uh, like biggest sacrifices you had to make, and how do you stay motivated? Because that's like one of the biggest things you said. Staying motivated. I mean, you know, I think I think that's something quite um, you know, either naturally gifted at or not. I think like you know, having having being motivated and having a goal is just. I guess that that's kind of what it is. It's it's just having a goal. Like every time you struggle you kind of try to think about what you're working for and you and you think, you know, like doing this extra rep in the gym will, you know, improve my stability and that like that much more and that will give me that much more of an advantage on others. And um, you just kind of take it like bit by bit. You don't really look at it as a, as like a, a big picture and being like, let's say you're going into like a, into like a skiing session or even into the gym and you say to yourself, right, I have like two and a half hours in the gym now, that's a lot, you know, already that kind of thought process is like a bit overwhelming because, you know, thinking about, thinking about everything as a whole is like, you know, you have a long way to go and that's where kind of your, you, you become less optimistic. But if you take things kind of like literally bit by bit, like spit it up, think what am I going to do in the near future, then you take it from there and then you see what happens. That that's kind of I think the key to what I do at least. 
kind of same age painted. I guess, yeah. Okay. And what were some of those sacrifices you had to make? I can't, I can't, I can't hear what you said there. Uh, what were some of the biggest sacrifices you had to make? I don't know why my internet is so bad. <laughs> Too many people at quarantine watching Netflix <laughs> on Saturday morning. So we're really buff. Talking about motivation. Yes. Uh, how yes. I stay motivated. How do you? Well, you know, as I said, like just kind of, you know, taking things step by step and not, not really overwhelming yourself with, um, with goals, kind of having little goals bit by bit, you know, having, having a goal for the month or, or a goal for the winter or, um, you know, short, term goals are always, I think is key. You have to have some sort of long-term goal in your mind, but don't focus on it too much. Focus more on, on the little wins. And then, you know, once you, once you get them, you know, you, you boost your confidence and confidence brings more motivation. So try to just keep on that, that kind of mentality, I think. Have you done the opposite before? I have, yeah. I mean, I think pretty sure most athletes have. I, I, I've, also, I've struggled with a lot of like, like mental difficulties in, in sport. Not, not anything serious, obviously. Just like you know, losing, losing confidence, kind of um, spiraling, finding yourself spiraling into like some like pit of negativity. And I mean, every, everyone has that once, once in a while. That's why you know we're all human. Um, that's what you have to realize, you know, like getting, getting, getting to a position. Getting to like a successful position takes also the negative feelings because you have to learn from them. It can't just be good all the time. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of motivation, the way the way to kind of stay successful is just by bringing yourself back to to the positive emotions after you after you've been negative. I think what it's just kind of staying staying balanced and always trying to bring yourself back to a certain state of mind. That's the key. Could you take me through one of those negative moments and how you kind of overcame it? Like an example. Say that. Say that again. I didn't hear that. Could you take me through one of those negative moments and how you turned it into a positive or felt that negative? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not say you have like a bad race or a bad session in the gym. Kind of where you feel like you haven't been as strong as you as, as you could have been, but like you know, even even the simple things like looking in the mirror and not being happy with either the way you look or the way you feel, or like, and this is regarding for everyone. But I guess for like athletes, it's kind of you know having having a bad day in the office, kind of lo- losing confidence in yourself, thinking right, like maybe I'm not cut out for this, um, maybe you know like I, I, I'm not I'm not good enough, and I have I, I like you know. A lot of the time, it's like I put myself in a situation where I think I'm not good enough, and I think even my mentality isn't good enough. And then it's it's just as easy as as just going for a walk or like you know sleeping it off, just giving it time and letting it letting it go. And in the back of your mind, you kind of say, "Look, okay, you're upset now. Um, just give yourself a bit of time to be upset and and allow yourself to think these negative things because you know that." you'll feel better at some point. You can't just feel negative the whole time. You, you know, you'll, you'll come back naturally to this state of I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sad kind of thing, like a negative. And if you kind of think that, then that will happen faster. So you, you will come to a positive state much faster. Yeah, that's how I do it. Damn. That's wise Damn. words to live by. That's wise words to live by. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know it as well. You're very, you seem very, um, very grounded and, and very successful for your age. So I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. 100%. I don't know if I told you this when we met, but I actually ran uh, track in college. I ran division one track. Yeah. So I've so, well, not on a, not on the Olympic no, level no, by any means, but I've seen the like, struggles, you know, more recently. Yeah, sure. I think all athletes are the same one. That's for sure. No, there's no perfect athlete out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's crazy man. So take us. So take us. Take us to making the Olympic team for Team Israel. What was that like? What was that process like? So you you have some you have quite a lot of criteria. In alpine skiing, it's from at the time it it kind of changes. Well, a lot of the time it changes and kind of throughout every Olympics, and it kind of depends on on first of all what the Olympic Committee says, are like the regulations, and then on top of that, it's uh, your national like federation and the National Olympic Committee, and they kind of decide on a certain set of like circumstances under which like you know they they can pick the best candidate and. Um, for me, it was, I think it was like the top 10 results that you make kind of averaged out because we, in, in alpine skiing, you have like a point system. So the lower the points you have, the better, the better of a rank you have. It's like, it's a bit like, um, I don't know, like, I guess golf or tennis. And they, you pick kind of like the 10, 10 of your best results from the past, the year coming up to the Olympics. And you, I think they average it, and they see, uh, they see kind of who who's consistently better. And yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess I was I was the candidate for that one. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, stuff like that. It, it's kind of um, hard to know, especially if you're if you're representing a big nation with a lot of um, very good athletes. It, it's hard to know until very rec- very like a very short period of time before the actual Olympics, you know, if you're going to go or not. I mean, you know if you're going to be a candidate, but you don't know if you're going to go for sure until pretty close to the time. So, um, so I know for track and field, for example, they have one meet where they ever, all the best athletes come and top two for each year uh, goes to the Olympics. Is this something like that for skiing? I mean, it wasn't for my, like, for the Israel Olympic Committee. They decided purely on um, kind of, your, like, your consistency and how how good you are over the year um, to kind of determine like the likeliness of you to do well basically in the, in the actual event. I don't know if, if other countries actually have that kind of criteria where they'll all kind of meet up and and um, and have like time trials, but I know that they do that for World Cups and stuff. I just don't, don't know if it's the same for the Olympics just because you have that once every four years. So I guess... It's hard to say, really. For, for my for my um, committee, it wasn't it wasn't like that. No. That's so cool, man. So, how did you become the flag bearer for Team Israel? What was the story behind that? Yeah, I mean, so I actually didn't know that I'd be the flag bearer until I think I think it was the night before. I I've, I held the flag in the closing ceremony, and in the opening ceremony, it was already announced. I think um, a few months before, like the when we found out who was going and everything mm-hmm. and we, we got to the end of our events and and it was the night before the closing ceremony and the head of the representative from our Olympic committee came up to me and he says you know sat me down he's like look we want you to carry the closing the, the flag in the closing ceremony because of uh you know your spirit and 
and your results and um, kind of everything together. I was so happy to, to be able to do that. I mean, it's, it's a huge pride, especially to carry like the flag of your country. You know, like Israel's quite a small country and everyone's very, very connected. We're only like, um, like 8 million people in the country and there's a lot of pride when, when anyone kind of talks about, talks about it or, you know, let alone holding the flag for it in front of millions. So yeah, it was massive. It was massive. Probably the most iconic 30 minutes of my life. Did you end up on cover, uh, making covers all over Israel? Sorry? Did you end up on making covers all over Israel? I was I was on a few newspapers. Yeah. Seriously, uh, nice. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it it was a big deal. So yeah, I mean, it, I was I was on quite a few newspapers um, around the country, and I was a lot of publicity at the time. Yeah, I spoke in front of a lot of cameras, and yeah, I guess I guess the publicity was definitely there. But you know, not not so surprised considering the event. That's, yeah, so. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing experience. What was it like walking to the, the closing ceremony stadium? Ceremony stadium. Like, what were you feeling? Like, were you did, feeling? You, did you kind of black out? Or, like, what were you... uh, I was very nervous. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, I think the fact that I already walked through it once in the opening ceremony, I was uh, I was kind of a bit more used to it. But even, even so, like, having, holding the flag in your hand and having, like, you know, you're going right behind the girl that held the Italian flag. I think she was a figure skater and had like eight gold medals under her belt, and it was her last, her last, um, her last ever like event. So, being able to stand next to someone like that, and then, for example, standing right next to someone who represented North Korea, so it was like a surreal experience. I mean, it's kind of this is what I mean by it being a blur, just because. It was so overwhelming that you know it's it's almost hard to remember the details of it. I mean, there was just so much adrenaline in my body that it just kind of I, I just wanted to like you know look like I was holding a flag correctly and like looking good. <laughs> just like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't embarrass myself in front of the whole world. <laughs> but yeah, um, do what end up as a meme. Dang, that's crazy. So, what was it like going to the opening ceremony? Because you said that was kind of that was your first experience on the Olympic level. What was that like? Right, um, what was it like going through the opening ceremony? I mean, uh, I mean, that, that was a that was a long wait before actually going on. So they all called us into this like into this hall, and we were all together, kind of with, with all the other countries in this in this massive room. It's like massive tent lining up for it and you kind of hear in the distance like the country being called out and you see the countries going in one by one and it's just this sense of like almost community like you just walk you you're walking with like a bunch of other people wearing the same kit as you representing like the country that you know you were you were raised to love and i mean it, it just it felt amazing being able to go there like as a as a pack and just, you know, like showing, showing it to the world, I guess. It, it was insane. But, but I don't really have many words for it. It's hard to describe kind of the, the joy you have because that's kind of when the, the games start. So you have, you have this feeling of I've actually made it, you know, like 
I've been working for this for a long time, like ever since been thinking about it, dreaming about it since I was a kid, and like now I'm actually here, being able to kind of walk through it and and not being a spectator anymore, but actually being being one of them. Yeah, huge, huge. Take how that gave me too. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing feeling. I mean, there's nothing like it. I don't. I've never felt anything like it. It's um, no no words to describe it. Really, it's just something you have to kind of be in and, and understand. I guess it's just you know working towards a goal and knowing that you've made it. I guess like, that that's what it felt like. What was it like going into your first event? Were you nervous at all, or were you like were you pretty focused? Yeah, you pretty focused. Going to my first what uh, event? Say? Event like at, like first race. Yeah, my first race. Uh, I remember as I was having dinner with my dad the night before. I, think I was having a burger or something. I was, must have been about. <laughs> that, that was my first proper race. It was in in um in France in this place called Chamonix, and um yeah, it was some sort of qualification for the national champs for to get into like the children's national champs for the British. And at that time, I still I still didn't know whether to represent the UK or or Israel. I just you know got got right into it, and yeah, I mean it, it was definitely nerve wracking. Like I didn't really know what I was doing, and I felt kind of like a like an outsider, but. It, it all kind of changes as soon as you push out start gate. You know, like you have you're nervous until you get to the start gate, and even until now, you always you always have like the the butterflies. And as soon as you push out the start gate, kind of it always feels the same. You just get this rush of adrenaline, and you think, right, I've got to do this as fast as I can. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like the way I felt, not much has actually changed really. I felt the same as my, in my first race as I did for the Olympics. I guess it just depends on the, the kind of personality that you have and how, how you attack things under pressure. But yeah. yeah. Was the pressure more? There was a lot of pressure in my first event because I wanted to get down. Because I told myself, if you don't make it down, you know, you're not, you're not technically Olympian if you didn't race properly. So like, you know, get, get to the get get a result. So I mean, at, at such a young age, you know, you're, you're still quite vulnerable to, to stress and and um, you know, you, it, it's it's hard to say I'm gonna give this a hundred percent of my effort because you're like I've done, I, I've put hundred percent my effort. I've got here now. I just need to prove that I've done it. That was my first event, I guess, and then I got I got my result and I was super happy, and then. Into my second result, the nerves was a bit less. I was kind of saying, "Right, you, you've got your result now. It's not as low as you wanted it to be, but you know, you have another day now to to give it your all and really try to show what what you're made of." And you know, when, when you do that, it's either hit or miss. You either crash or you finish. I crashed, but um, <laughs> I gave it my all, and you know, I wasn't scared of the consequences. Because I, I told myself, you know, this is not your first one. You'll you'll get there again. So this this is good for good for, almost for experience. You know, you've got you've gotten what you you've gotten your result. You've done what you needed to do. Now just um, ski and have fun. Wise words, man. That's wise words, man. <laughs> That's crazy though, because like, like to be so fearless, going to so 
that you know, like, hey, I can crash, but I'm going to give it my own. Say that again. Sorry. No worries. To be so fearless in your first event is pretty, uh, I don't know, amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when, when you kind of face it, you know, you can have two different mentalities. You can say, like, right, either I'm going to be nervous about this and, you know, kind of re almost regret the, what, what you did. Or, you know, because you only have one shot, you know, or you just, like, so, say to yourself, like, go into this like you've gone into every other thing, which is, like, going 100% and don't hold back and, and make sure that you have no regrets when you come out of it because you're always going to regret not putting in 100% of your effort if you don't. Because you, you can always say, oh, if I did this and if I did that. So, you know, you, you take away the ifs and you make sure, like, especially with something this big, you kind of say... Um, I want to go into it without any ifs, and um, I just want to do it, and then come out of it, and whatever happens, happens. Um, you know, the fact you're part of it is already something, something big enough, I guess. But that was kind of what was going through my head. Yeah. How was, how did your ski season go this year? Sorry. How did your ski season go this year? This year. I was skiing well until I was actually in my, I was skiing at my my best when um, we were told to go home, which was very frustrating because that's kind of where I was gonna most likely do my results. And in training and everything, I was I was putting down some fast times. Um, and uh, in terms of the results beforehand, I mean, I, I made a few that I was I was okay with, but I knew that there was a lot more in the tank that could have been done. And I was, I was really ready to do that towards the end of the winter. We even had like a, a trip expected to go to Japan in the end of February. And we, we basically trained for that for weeks. And we got to it. We got to the airport, put our baggage into the, into the flight. And um, we were told while boarding that the races were cancelled. So we had to like not board, get all our bags out of the plane. Um, <laughs> we can do those races which probably would have been pretty pretty good for, for us as a team, like for us to get results. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame that everything kind of happened, like the way it did and the timing as well wasn't, wasn't amazing, but you kind of have to look at the positives as well. So, I mean, it means that my pre-season is a lot longer um, and it means that I can get a lot stronger in the gym and get more training on, like, my technique before the next winter comes. So, um Honestly, I'm expecting big things next year, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely can definitely see it as being a possibility. Absolutely. What are some of the things you're doing in the off season besides like weightlifting and working with technique and all that kind of stuff? Like, what, what else do I do as part of exercise? Yeah. To like, what, what else are you doing to get you prepared for a big season next year? I mean, it, it's a lot of a, it's quite a big transition that you go through. I'm working with my physical coach now, and you know, it starts with a lot of like a lot of repetitions, like a lot of time under tension, like, you know, long swims, long runs, long hikes, a lot of time on the bike. And you got kind of a lot of like, you know, a bit lighter weights and more reps just to kind of build your strength back after the winter because, you know, it's, it's very easy to lose it with all the racing, traveling, and the amount of time you have to actually train. Um, in the gym is less during the season so you kind of lose a bit of muscle and the first the first phase is kind of building back that muscle and you know 
building back the strength, and then you kind of, which is a phase that I'm about to get into now, is when you start getting into a bit bigger weight and more ski-specific stuff. So kind of a lot of um, different types of jumps and stability and more functional training, just to kind of get get you ready for when you jump on snow, and then you know I'll I'll be getting on snow probably towards July for a bit of training and on like the glaciers uh, around the world so uh, you've got a few glaciers in Europe where you have the snow all year so you can train on those and you kind of go back and forth between training on snow and improving your technique and really getting back to basics so you know snow plowing you know really taking your time and feeling feeling each ski individually feeling like the kind of weight distributions and being on top of your ski and really going back to, to beginner steps and you kind of build as you go through the weeks um, and you start going into gates and start doing uh, some more like, you know, using timing and all that. And then theoretically you'll be in a pretty good, pretty good um, situation for, for when the winter starts, which will, which will be about November. Do you ever get frustrated with the process? Like, do you ever feel like you're going too slow? We're starting with too many basics or basics like yeah i mean it, it's always hard to say in pre-season kind of you know the how slow it is but it always goes very quickly um you always feel like you need a few more weeks but usually my pre-seasons are pretty good like i don't i feel like i always improve in pre-seasons and that's kind of the, the main thing you know you kind of seeing improvements is is key and it doesn't matter really how much you improve but as long as you you get something changed and um, make sure you've, you know, you've you've bettered yourself technically as a skier. Then, then you're good to go, really. And yeah, I mean, of course, I've been frustrated. Um, there've been there've been a lot of days I've been frustrated in preseason just because I was hoping that it would go a bit faster. But you know, optimism is always is always and confidence is always highest before the winter, before you actually get your results because <laughs> you aren't you aren't you know doing time trials, you aren't racing. Like it's just you against you and you improving as much as possible so it's always a good feeling pre-seasons because you always know that you're improving and you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else just yet yeah the, and the frustration comes a lot in the winter when you feel like the work you've done it hasn't matched your performance yeah I feel that so what are some of the things so you're what is looking for moving forward what are some of your big goals that you have of course Beijing 2022 yeah, so I mean, Beijing's the next goal, and I guess we'll take it from there. I've got um, a world ch- a world championships next year uh, in the middle of the season at some point. And, Those are in Italy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on. Exactly. Hopefully, it'll be on. But yeah, it's it's an, it's an amazing resort. So that would be that would be amazing. But yeah, it's just kind of like you know the little steps, as I said. You kind of. Uh, train for the world champs. You know, you train, you train to get your results better, and then you got. I got the Olympics, and then after that, I'll see. I mean, I'll take it as it goes. Um, I'm also studying at uni now in um, in Milan, part time. So I'm kind of balancing both. Obviously, skiing's a priority, but you know, instead of watching my films in the afternoon, I'll be. I'm getting in some books. Um, what are you studying? Economics. Oh, nice. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun. Good fun. Made a lot of good friends there, and it's always good to get get away from skiing as well. I think education is pretty important for for an athlete. 
just because it opens their brain up a little bit and, and gives you a bit of perspective on on everything. It tells you, you know, like sport isn't everything at the end of the day. Like you know, sports sports good to improve yourself as a, as a person, but you know, it's it's not your whole your whole world. You've got other things. You know, you'll, you'll have a family one day, and you know, it's, it, it won't go on forever. So um, it's always good to have something. You know, some side projects going. So when you get bored, you have something to do. So yeah, I guess we'll see after the Olympics where my head's at um, in terms of where I am in life. But I'm taking it, you know, step by step, see how it goes. I think you'd be a middle contender for Beijing 2022. Sorry? I think you're a middle contender for Beijing 2022. Uh, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, be good if I can go again, that's for sure. <laughs> That'd be crazy, man. So you said... You made it some side projects. What are some side projects you're working on besides uni? Are you working on anything besides uni? Besides education and, um, and skiing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always like to keep myself busy. And I've actually, you know, past two months, I've said to myself, you know, you've got so much time now. Like, you know, start start using your brain. Think of something, you know, what's the world missing? I, I have a few, a few ideas. I mean, I, I'm kind of working on a... On a startup at the moment, it's very, very. Let's go. Trying to follow, trying to follow, trying to follow after the best. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I've got, I've got an idea, and I'm kind of working on it with um with a few of my friends at uni. It's very slow progress. It's only been, you know, a few weeks that I've been uh been working on it. But yeah, I mean, apart apart from um. Yeah, education and skiing these days, it's not much. I mean, I don't really have time for anything else. You know, skiing takes up a lot of my time and education just fills in the gaps, really. So I just always have something to do. Can you share with the world what you start up is? Or what, what the idea is you're working on? <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah, it's hard there. <laughs> Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you with it. Yeah, yeah. sure, for sure. I mean, it actually would be good to talk to you about it at some point. To get a good insight on it, for sure. I mean, take it as it goes, man. Um, see if it if it works out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all it's all very very much idea at the moment, and not much uh, plan. You know what I mean? Well, do you know Tiger Shaw? Say that again. Do you know Tiger Shaw? Yeah, I do. I do actually. Yeah. So, so he actually had a startup as well after he was an Olympic skier. Yeah. Did you know that? That, that what? He had a startup after yeah. he was an Olympic skier. Oh, really? I actually didn't know that. No. Yeah, he built, he built oh, yeah. and sold it, which is pretty crazy. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing um, being able to do stuff like that. You know, you know there's, a, there's a lot of competent people in the world, that's for sure. That, that's what you've got to strive towards, kind of having, you know, striving towards um, doing as much as you can while you have the time, getting into as many things as you can. Yeah. Life is short, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. What's your, what has been your favorite memory from skiing over the years? From skiing? Olympic Village? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's, it's actually hard to say. I mean, so many. I mean, no, it's got to be the Olympics. I mean, like, but that's, it, it, you know, it, yeah, it is hard to say. I mean, I guess best memories are kind of, Sitting around the table with, with some of your teammates, just having a nice meal and just a bit of banter, you know, having some having laughs and and kind of enjoying the moment. I guess 
you know, not much better than that, really. It's, it's the same stuff. I always say, you know, the Olympics was awesome. Experience was amazing. But, you know, the stuff that really makes you smile is, is, I think, you know, everything, like the work that goes towards it. Yeah. Beautiful, man. In the small moments. Exactly, exactly. Cool, brother. Well, it's been awesome to catch up with you, man. So good to see you. I want to be respectful of your time because I know. Is it evening there right now? Uh, it's yeah, it's six thirty now. I'm about to cook dinner. Okay. Get off this and get my protein in. <laughs> good stuff, man. Well, I'll let you do that. Uh, let's next time. Let's not wait three years to catch up again. And hopefully next time I'll have better audio. <laughs> so. Exactly. Better you need to let me know when you're in Europe so we can meet up. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Once this, once this whole thing lifts, maybe I would love to come watch you ski maybe next winter at the World Championships or something. 100%. 100%. Cool, brother. Free to come visit and train. <laughs> maybe I'll come ski with you sometime. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good as you, but... I mean, you're invited. The invitation is there. Let me know.